Those are the conversations we have with our candidates. Like it has to be applicable. It has to be authentic and it has to come through. So just getting rid of all the theatrics, right? Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Emily Rushton. Emily is the founder and CEO of Hire Integrated, spelled H-I-R-E, Integrated, a fast-growing recruiting agency based in Utah. Emily started her career in staffing at Robert Half, where she ranked among the top 20 recruiters out of 11,000 employees. Since then, she's built two other recruiting firms and also worked at Netflix, where she helped them write the now industry-leading playbook with best-in-class industry practices to help them find and hire new talent. Emily, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Mark. I'm so excited to be here. Um, One small correction. I wasn't actually an employee of Netflix, but they had engaged me to build out a recruiting when they decided to launch their first ever contact center, and they chose Utah as the location. So it was an incredible experience and worked really closely with the executive team and built out their staff, more than 2,000 employees that first year. So incredible experience. I loved it. Amazing. And thank you for uh, correcting me there. uh, You've done so many things. I struggled to, you know, uh, boil down your bio into a kind of 60 or 90 second uh, soundbite. So I'm excited to hear more about your journey um, as as we go along here. Um, Yeah, if you figure out a good way to consolidate my bio, let me know. (laughs) I'm always telling people I'm like Goldilocks, right? I started with a really large company and then helped form a really small company and then left that for a mid-sized company. And here I am out on my own the last two years. So yeah, I'm trying to figure out my bio as well. (laughs) Fantastic. It's hard writing your own bio. And uh, I like the Goldilocks and the three bears analogy. That's that's awesome. I reached out to you. A lot of my guests come from referrals or um, people that I've I already know. Uh, but I reached out to you because I read a LinkedIn post that you'd put out, and then I checked you, out your profile. I loved the content that you were putting out there, and then I realized that you only started your current business uh, very recently. To uh, 2021, January 2021, and you'd already grown to 20 people in less than two years, which is amazing. So I thought, I need to meet this lady and find out what she's doing because her her business has taken off like a like a rocket. So that's h- how uh, I ended up reaching out to you. Oh, I'm so th- I'm so thankful that you did. I it's been scrappy, right? Like I'm still in scrappy mode and. Um, because I've been based in, you know, Utah, essentially my entire career, I've, I've traveled and opened up other offices throughout the U.S. over the course of time. But um, I've been really fortunate because as I engage with new clients, that have new needs and new specialties, um, that's one thing that I've had to get really creative on is bringing together, bringing skill sets to the table, whether that's a contractor, whether that's someone that's gainfully employed as a recruiter on site with another company and asking for them to work for me kind of as a gig recruiter part-time. So I've got a very eclectic um, staff of part-time 
part-time, full-time, interns, contractors, everything and anything in between to make sure that my suite of services are really matching what the client's looking for when they engage me, which I love. It's been a lot of fun, but it's definitely a non-traditional approach to, I would say, hiring and staffing up, recruiting businesses as I've done in the past, Mark. Oh, cool. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. So I'd love to get into that shortly. Um, I always am fascinated by people's origin story. Could you just say a little bit about how you got into recruiting in the first place? Oh, goodness. Well, I'm from a really small town in Tennessee, and I went, I was a senior in college and I had no idea what I wanted to be when I graduated, which is a whole nother story and podcast, right? 16 years in the education system. And I'm just now asking my question, what do I want to be? Because I'm going to graduate in a couple of months. And I went to my professor that I just adored and had a good relationship with. And he gave me the worst advice ever and told me to drive around and look at companies that have their names on buildings and start calling them and telling them I was looking for work. And so essentially, I'm cold calling myself and my skill set into companies and telling them that I'm looking for work. And I'm at a job fair and I'm telling a recruiter this and they're like, you're kidding, you're doing that? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, well, we'll pay you to do that for other people that are looking for jobs. And that's how I, um, that's how I got into the recruiting industry. Because honestly, I didn't even know what a recruiter was back in, uh, you know, 2000 when I started this industry. That's awesome. Uh, I've never I've asked a lot of people that question. I've never heard that answer before, Emily. That's a that's a unique one. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm a great cold caller. That's <laughs> all I'm very naive, and I did what people told me to do at a very young age, and it just fortunately paid off for me really well. Hilarious. And so, w- talk me through the progression from there. So you obviously mm-hmm. did really well. It. Was that was Robert Half your very first? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was it was Robert Half, and um, I started my career there, and um, I was probably an average, above average recruiter that first year, um, and then second year, Mark, we were going into a recession, and again, small girl learning business for the uh, small small town girl learning business for the first time. I didn't even know what a a recession was and no one used the word right no one said emily we're going into recession and get ready but um my boss who i i still have a really good relationship with to this day pulled me aside and said emily hey you're you're doing pretty good but you're gonna have to do amazing to really you know keep your job here long term and you need to step up your game and that was really a turning point for me i remember going home to my husband and i was like you know if i'm gonna get fired or laid off or lose my job i need to be able to say to myself i did every single thing possible and i have no regrets i put it all out there and mark there was this level of tenacity that just kind of came out early on in my career Every single opportunity I had, um, I didn't lose it. Like I held on to everything so tight and I made sure that I closed it. And, you know, during kind of that first recession I ever worked, I made the most money in my career. I was the top performer. And I remember, you know, I was like two, three years into really my groove and my swing. And someone said, wow, you know, 
good for you for doing so well during, you know, an economic downturn. And I looked at that person, I was like, what? We went through a recession? You're kidding. Like, like, you know, like the things started clicking. I was like, oh, that's why they had the conversation with me. That's why things were challenging. I didn't realize that we had done that many layoffs and, you know, recruiters were impacted because I was just so dialed in and focused and scooped up every opportunity with a high level of, of just focus. What a great story. Early early on. Yeah, really so early on in my career. That, uh, so I guess we're talking around 2008. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, 2000, yeah, that's right. 2007, 2008 is when I had that discussion. Yeah. And so can you give an example or say more about how that next level of tenacity um like tra- you know um translated into your day-to-day work habits or practices because i would say the majority of recruiters are pretty tenacious right and mm-hmm. that's uh it, it like if you're going to last longer than six months then that's probably a trait that you you possess um so could you do you even know what it was that allowed you to excel compared to uh, many i mean robert half there's there would be a lot of good recruiters there and you excelled like compared to your peers in a really tough market yeah i, I mean i would say prior to the that turning point early on in my career um I was just an employee, right? I came in and if I was able to fill a job, great. And if I lost it, like, oh, well, you know, I mean, it it didn't, it didn't really mean anything personally, financially. It was just a, oh, I'll get the next one type of mentality. And that kind of turning point was, is every single opportunity I lived in like I, I lived for, I lived and died by it. You know, I, I went all in on every position. And um, if there was a sliver of hope that someone needed a position filled, I, <laughs> I didn't give up, you know, even if they stopped picking up my phone call and stopped returning my emails, I'd show up. And, you know, I, I just, put everything on the line mark to make sure that I got it closed and, you know, really creative with um, pricing and candidates and, you know, looking for other opportunities for one position to be three and being introduced to other hiring managers. And I'd start showing up and wouldn't leave. And I'd start being, you know, they would give me badges to their, their companies and people thought I was an employee (laughs) of that company. You know, like I just really, um, I became really invested with those hiring managers and those companies. And I found ways to invite myself to the company parties and get to know everyone. And like, I just, I went, I went all in and I, I loved it. Um, I, I, I'll always ask people, you know, when you get into recruiting, um, what motivates you? And I always hear, and I think it's it's great when people say, I love helping people find jobs. It, it literally makes changes in their career. And don't get me wrong, that's on my list. But the number one thing for me is when I can partner with a hiring manager and I really 
can make them look good, right? And I understand the entire business case for this hire and how it's going to impact the company and how it's going to protect revenue, change revenue, grow revenue, and have those conversations with hiring managers so they can say, thank you, Emily. Thank you for making my job of hiring easy. Thank you for understanding my profile, my company, and bringing those folks to me. And that's kind of been some of the foundational items as I've expanded my career and I'm not recruiting as much as an individual producer hardly at all these days into how I want to motivate the staff to to change and to partner with companies that are growing and expanding. Great answer. I love that. That's uh that's awesome. Tell me though about this idea of showing up and actually getting being given a you know, a security badge so you can get into the building and that sort of thing. What is there an example that springs to mind? Well, I mean, I'll start with the foundation of the name of my company, Higher Integrated. Um, I literally want myself and my staff to integrate into the way that companies hire and the way that they hire. And if you really truly are going to integrate into a company, you have to be there, you have to be seen, you have to feel a part of the team, you have to have a seat at the table when those business objectives are being discussed and 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 things are happening there internally on site. And so I guess as my staff and I integrate, right? Um, yeah, part of that is having a seat on site with companies we are hiring for and being welcomed and being there frequently where they, you know, we go from the vis- uh, visitor badge to <laughs> the employee badge, even though we're not employees. Um, so that's the level of integration that that I want to have with companies that that are growing so that we can really be be those, you know, recruiters that are either supplementing, supplementing their hiring or, um, in some cases, you know, an RPO model where we're actually doing all the recruiting for them. That's so cool that this early kind of impulse that you had to want to integrate yourself with your client companies and really understand your hiring manager's objectives and hiring needs in it on a, on a deeper level has actually evolved into your kind of your business model, your the way that you um, have have built your practice now that you've got your own firm. Um, so, but where did that idea originally come from? Because that that wasn't a standard, that wasn't out of the Robert Half playbook. That's something that you that's right came up with. That's right. So, what was the uh, where, where did that come from? Yeah, no, I, um, so you're right. It's not the Robert Half playbook, highly specialized, you know, really kind of those a la carte here and there type of placements. Um, but when I was at Robert Half, I got that, I got a call from, (laughs) his name was Michael and he was based out of New York and he said, I want to do more. And it was, it was contact center hiring, but instead of kind of that level one, level two, level three, because I was like, hey, um, Michael, I don't do contact center hiring. 
you know, I'm, I'm a specialized recruiter. Let me, let me send you over a referral and have you talk to someone else. He's like, no, I need, I need some specialization for my contact center because instead of doing level one, level two, level three escalations, I want this person to handle the call from start to finish. And they're talking to very high net worth individuals. So someone that has a degree that can handle it and spend the time that they need on the phone with them. So when I was with Robert Half really early on in my career, I had this incredible opportunity to work with this global financial organization. I'll just say it, it was, it was Morgan Stanley at the time. And we kind of rolled out the playbook for why hiring specialized, higher, um, you know, higher paid individuals worked for that model. And that ended up kind of being the, the playbook. And I've been really fortunate because even when I left Robert Half and I went and helped opened up another recruiting firm, um, I've been given those opportunities time over time to work with the company and identify a different way of hiring, understand how they want to identify that profile, put the playbook in place so that it can be replicated throughout the state, throughout the nation, throughout the globe for their way of hiring. So there's been four or five companies that I have gone very, very deep with. I'm talking several months, in some cases, several years to help them understand how to hire better, differently, that matches with their cultural alignment so that they can, you know, scale that across the globe. And you mentioned Netflix, that, that, was, that was a huge opportunity. They had always outsourced their, their, um, their contact centers to BPOs. And the executive team there said, we wanna do this in-house. And like I said, we were really fortunate that they chose Utah as their first contact center. And so for a year, we, we hired the team, we worked with that team to say, here's how we're gonna hire for Netflix, for their contact center and their representatives. And once we got that dialed in and it was approved and it was solidified, that's when they were opening up their other contact centers throughout the globe. We were the first here in Utah that really kind of got to put together the playbook with that staff so that it was scalable amongst the other amongst the other centers throughout the throughout the globe. Wow, that's fascinating. Sorry, I rambled. No, but I've I've been I've been this person that's always done things in volume with a high level of integration and specialization. Yeah, that's a, a rare mix cuz normally it's one or the other, right? It's high volume or it's sort of specialized but you're you're doing specialized recruiting at scale. That's right. That's exactly right. And I love that. That's that's my DNA. That's how I've, you know, really pivoted my career and uh, where I get a lot of my passions through my own personal production and how I conduct business and hopefully influence my staff now with higher integrated and understanding it's it's more than just a recruiter. It's more than just a hire. It's an opportunity to get exposure into a business. Video interviewing has been part of mainstream recruitment for over a decade now. But have you figured it out yet? Video interviewing certainly looks good as part of your recruitment service. It gives you the appearance of being a cutting edge recruitment business owner on the front line of technology. But is it paying its way? Are you getting more new business, more repeat business because you're using video interviewing? 
Or is it starting to look more like a financial drain on your recruitment business? Our sponsor and trusted partner, iIntro, has a solution for this. Their video interviewing is just one part of a complete suite of recruitment tools, so you don't need to spend a fortune on yet another tech platform. Everything you need is included in one package. Additionally, they provide training for your recruitment firm to make sure you're using the technology to the best possible effect for your existing clients, as well as how to use it to attract new clients. If you're thinking of investing in video interviewing, don't take another step until you've requested your free demonstration from iIntro. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retain to book your free consultation. See for yourself how to use video interviewing to get a true return on your investment. That's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Well, let's fast forward then to sure. January 2021. And you have then expanded. You've worked for different sizes of companies, small boutiques, medium-sized, uh, obviously huge uh, in the case of Robert Half. What motivated you to decide you were going to do your own thing in, in uh, higher integrated? Yeah. Well, I, um, I was coming, I had two years where I had to kind of set out the industry with an executive non-compete, which was really looking back on it. I was really grateful for that time. I had my, my son, my one and only, he had some health, health scares that we had to get taken care of and he's great now. And then we went into, you know, uh, COVID, right. Which kind of changed the world. And I kind of got a look at that outside looking in from the professional uh, lens of how it was impacting. And my two years was up and I could have either gone in-house as, you know, a director of talent acquisition or some, you know, something like that, or I could go out on my own. And I've always done, you know, my last two ventures, Mark, were it was me and someone else. I was going into an existing business and improving it with minority equity, or I was starting up a company with, you know, um, with investors and another, you know, founder. But this was kind of my opportunity to do it just the way that I wanted to do it with my money and, you know, my way of, of thinking and my brand and my personal touch. And it was one of those let's do it. Like, what do I have to lose? Right. And, um, I, I was ready. I was ready for a place in my career, professionally, personally, to put everything on the line and see what could come of it. And that was kind of that leap of faith. That was probably one of the hardest things was just deciding to do it and understanding what it took to go all in. Awesome. All right. That's, that's fantastic. And so tell me about, how that's evolved over the last just coming up for your, I guess in January, it'd be your two-year anniversary. Um, yeah. Talk to me about what were the kind of key milestones. So you're day one, you're like, woohoo, okay, higher integrated, <laughs> here we go. Um, what was that first kind of few months like and how have things, how did you gain momentum? Yeah. Um well, you know, day one, I remember there were a couple of things that were really important to me. The first one was my brand. Um, I, th I still feel like in the recruiting industry, there's a lot of theatrics and just in hiring in general. And I knew my brand needed to be really thoughtful and intentional in a way that was 
welcoming and warm to job seekers and hiring managers so that there was a higher level of just being authentic and truly making the best decision for hiring. And you'll, if you talk to me more than, I guess we're going on, what, 20 minutes here, I, I typically bring it up a lot sooner. But um, the, <laughs> the, the person that sometimes is the best interviewer is not always the best person for the job. So that's kind of my claim to fame as I'm out there educating hiring managers, you know, one conversation at a time and, and reminding my staff that sometimes, you know, these are real people that know themselves better than any recruiter will ever know them. So I needed the brand to say that. I needed the brand to be welcoming and to get rid of all the theatrics. And that's just kind of my Southern hospitality roots, I would say, coming out into play. The other thing I needed day one was to make sure I was surrounding myself with people that had been down the road and made some obstacles and trials and could help me avoid some of those. So I put together an advisory board with thought leaders that I could trust and I could talk to frequently and call up. So I've got the attorney, I've got the uh, recruiting owner that's been through multiple transactions. You know, I've got the business development person, I've got the HR professional, I've got the marketing executive. So I really was thoughtful on my advisory board and their their backgrounds and how they could contribute to advising me. Um, those were two really critical things like day one for me. So Emily, you did you have that set up before you launched or that was your top priority after you launched? Well, I... I you know, I was working with a marketing firm on my brand before day yeah. one, but day one is when I was able to reveal it and bring it out to the market. And yeah, I had commitments from uh, my advisory boards before day one, but again, day one's when I was able to actually form the committee and meet with them formally and, and make sure that we could start talking about business. And, you know, Mark, the first month or two, I didn't have any business, right? It was just letting everyone know that I'm opening up my own company and here's what we're all about. And I'll never forget those first, you know, three or four companies that said, yeah, we're going to work with you. Like, I'll never forget them. And other milestones that first year, I remember it was like Q3, we hit a million in revenue. And that was that was like my first milestone that I wanted to hit. And we run everything very lean and mean. I have very little expenses still to this day because I'm wanting to build this up for scale. And that's really important. And so I remember by the end of the year, um, close of the books, we were able to do a million in profit that first year. And we're trending 300% of that here in, in 2022. So it's it's going in the right direction, but I'm also aware of market conditions and we're proactively making some shifts to make sure that just as I've seen through a personal production, that if we continue to shift, um, we're prepared to have our, our best years because we're still so new. We've got a lot of runway ahead of us, right? Wow, that's an incredible, um, you know, evolution within your first year. So let's just break this down a little bit, Emily, if that's okay. So first of all, sure. first couple of months, you had no clients. You Then you described getting your first three or four. How did you do that? What, where, how did you win those uh, accounts? 
Well, I was really fortunate because I, I have quite a few connections. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it was just previous connections, reaching out to them through email, phone call, text, dropping in, visiting, letting them know next time they were going to work with a recruiter, I wanted them to work with me. And that those opportunities really, because I worked them, Mark, like I filled them. I was able to put all that cash back in the company. I think I had only set aside initially 30,000. And I think I only used like 10 grand of it before I was able to take those placements that I had booked and put it back in the company and start building up my cash just through some specialized direct hire placements, which was the only thing I was focused about that Q1, Q2 was just putting cash back in the business. I hardly had to use any of my own my own cash. And thankfully, I haven't had to take money through investors yet, which I don't plan to do unless it's a strategic type of partnership. All right. Awesome. So you basically just uh, worked your network. You reached out to everybody who was relevant that you already you know, knew and, you know, told them you're running, you're starting your own thing and uh, got, I think people love to support a, you know, uh, an entrepreneur and someone who's doing something, you know, um, and they like, they love that story of someone starting up a business and being successful. And so I think, yeah, I think people do have time for that. Um, so I can see, and you're, I can see how you won them over. Um, but I'm astonished that you, you managed to get to a million in profit within the first year. Did you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we hit a million in profit by, um, by the end of that first year. And it, it took off like, you know, wildfire because you start doing one or two placements and then, they just call you for every placement. So, uh, and that's when I realized I needed to put together a team really quickly. Right. I was really fortunate that there were recruiters that I knew that I could go to and, and it kind of started, you know, one or two positions here or there part-time and they went full-time. I mean, I had one recruiter that you know, working part time. <laughs> I think she made well over 200 grand her first year with me. So um, it was really financially beneficial for her as well. And that that partnership and that success of bringing on other recruiters into the fold um, to make sure that we could be proactive for those positions that just kind of kept coming in and um, taking care of those hiring companies that are entrusting us with their business. Amazing. So I want to ask about hiring in a second, but first help me understand the types of like what industries you're recruiting in and or what types of roles you're filling. Yeah. Um, well, um, because we are here in Utah, companies that are typically growing on, on Utah is our target, right? Mm -hmm. We're we're being really thoughtful with getting communications out to them frequently, mm -hmm. um, using my connections, using my team's connections, my advisory board's connections, getting very meaningful introductions. Um, it helps and it goes a long ways. Um, so building that brand and making sure that brand is relevant is important. So. Um, but I will say, Mark, um, we, my largest client is PCF Insurance Services. And never, ever throughout, 
I'm not quite 20 years in recruiting yet, but I'm getting closer to it, which is hard for me to say because there's other realizations that come along with that time frame. Um, I never, you know, I never thought a insurance would be as difficult to recruit for. And secondly, um, you know, there's most industries I've helped hired for, but insurance has been the most difficult, which is why it's the most exciting for me. We're actually on site with them. They're uh, one of the top brokerage companies in the U.S. They're the most active acquiring company in the U.S. They're they're huge, um, well over 3,000 employees, and this is just all happening over the course of the last couple of years. Wow. Um, so insurance industry has really become a specialty of me and my staff because of um, how much we're doing there. And words getting out to the insurance industry. So I'm starting to fill quite a few other positions with other insurance companies as a result of the thousands of people we've helped hire in this, you know, with PCF, which has been, you want to talk about people that have gone out of their way to give entrepreneurs a chance and to invest in them and to let them bring their best game to the table every day. Um, The leadership team there very much so identifies with small entrepreneurs in supporting them. And that's been a really, really valuable relationship. But I've also had to be very intentional to diversify my clientele and to continue to expand outside of insurance and stay relevant with other companies because they are such a, a large dominant client of ours. Almost 40% of our, our revenue is generated from one client today. Interesting. So uh, it sounds like you've diversified in terms of industry. It's all within, your your recruiting exclusively within Utah? Uh, we're headquartered in Utah. Yeah. So thankfully, Post-COVID, a lot of companies, uh, 100% remote, they don't care where the person's at. We've done a few international, but mainly um, if they want the person in office and it's the hiring manager, yes, a lot in Utah. If they're headquartered in Utah and the hiring manager doesn't care where they're located, that's where we'll go a little bit more nationwide. Got it. Okay, cool. And, Mm -hmm. And what sort of functional areas are you recruiting in? You know, accounting and finance is um, a lot of what we do. Uh, Close to 50% of our placements are um, accounting and finance. I am still personally involved in executive search. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, insurance has taken on kind of a whole nother staff of mine and specialty where we have that level of focus. And then from there, professional placements, operations, legal, um, marketing and creative, Um, Not as much IT, which is surprising because Silicon Slopes is very dominant here, but you have to be highly, highly specialized. So we don't get as much into the IT space currently today. And then, you know, we're shifting, right? We're seeing a lot more companies that mm, maybe want more of a contractor or a temp or temp to hire placement. Mm. And so we're really getting our back office in play because we're seeing that level of business explode here recently as well. This episode is brought to you by Recruitment Entrepreneur. If you've dreamed of starting your own business or if you've already got a successful firm and you want to grow more rapidly, then pay close attention. Recruitment Entrepreneur are the number one investors in recruitment startups and scale-ups globally. They provide everything you need to grow your business, including the funding and financial expertise, 
operational strategy and back office support, and marketing and talent attraction solutions. Led by James Kahn, they've already invested in 45 businesses and you could be their next joint venture partner. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. That's VC as in venture capital. Book a call with one of their investment directors and be sure to tell them you were referred by Mark Whitby and the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. What's your business model now in terms of the mix of direct hire, permanent placements, contract or temp? And then you mentioned RPO is something you do offer as well. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you do? And then how, 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 what's the breakdown of those different service lines? Yeah, it's such a good question. And I'll kind of start with a really a foundational disclaimer, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, And this is something my advisory board and I talk quite a bit about, right? Like identity and structure and organization in the sense of, you know, who we are and services that we're offering. And I'm always saying, to me, my approach is integrating with the company, right? Getting to know the company, getting to know the executive team so that you can pivot and put resources in place to make sure that they are holistically taken care of. And Mark, companies have needs all across the board, right? They are hiring in several departments, hiring managers, a company in order to continue to grow is going to have a diverse array of elements, which is why if you start at the top with the mission of the CEO or the founder and where they're going and how that's going to impact hiring all the way to the bottom, instead of having a lot of different recruiting companies specialized and I want to hire integrate it to start at the top and be able to build out the team and the specialization to take care of the company and their growth holistically, which is why that foundational knowledge is really important for me to answer your question. Mm. If someone came to me and I have invested in a company, I know them, I, my staff's really visible with them and we understand where they're going and they want to open up a new division or um, they need a solution for headcount to help them with some type of initiative. I'm not going to say that's not our specialty. I'm going to say, let's take our cultural alignment, let's take our level of integration and let's make a proposal to make sure that you can get that headcount in place. And, and that's where you will see the level of of expansion and pivoting because it starts with the company. It doesn't necessarily start with, I am just an accounting and finance recruiter. I am just an insurance company. I I want a staff to match their level of growth and initiative as to where they're heading because I think it's exhausting just for myself as an owner to have that many partners in play and that many relationships. So if I can streamline recruiting as much as possible for a company. And that means bringing on new recruiters, new level of specialties, new level of consultants so that they don't have to work with as many. To me, that's me doing my job, which is why you see the level of, you know, of diversity when I talk about my services, right? Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, so yeah, so it's a different way of thinking. So yeah, I know that. No, I'm I get gonna it. put that out there. So then are you really signing up your clients to some kind of like master vendor relationship or like a managed, you know, service provider so that you own that the recruiting function at those companies 
in in whatever yeah. department they they might need your help with? Bingo, you got it, Mark. So either they don't have uh, recruiting and I get in there and we earn the opportunity to recruit for them. And we have to make long-term proposals once that uh, trust is earned and that relationship is in place. Or they have a recruiting team and they even plan on building out the recruiting team, but there's some supplemental efforts as to what my relationship's going to be. And that's shown through some type of uh, contractual uh, arrangement. Mm -hmm. Usually my conversations are, you know, here's the budget for a year, right? And I'm talking to those CFOs and I'm talking to the executive team and making some commitments as to what that level of engagement looks like well beyond just one specialty search, which, you know, sometimes companies just want us to do one specialty search and that's okay. But to me, that's an opportunity to get in the door and continue to work my way up to the team so that they can understand the impact that we can really offer, whether it's through supplemental or it's either taking on their recruiting. All right. I'm starting to understand why you've been so successful at what you do, Emily. So um, what do you call, do you have a name for that service or like that relation, type of relationship? Higher integrated. Okay. I want to integrate with companies. I want, I want to be more than just a recruiter. I want to fill more than just one position. I want to understand your pain points. I want to understand how we can help you and your company achieve your objective and directly through talent acquisition and, and branding and making sure that we can be proactive and bring profiles to you are launch initiatives that are going to be new department launches. So you're sending them a proposal or proposing a solution, but what do you call that solution? Is it literally higher integrated or is there another name that you would give to this type of relationship with the, with the client? Oh, I guess I don't understand the question. Are you talking about my contracts? Yeah. Like what, when, when you're saying, okay, Mr. Client, we understand what your vision is and the growth that's going to be required and we can support you, you know, uh, in, in helping you achieve that growth. And the best way of us doing that is for us to deliver blank. What is that thing that you're um, pitching them? Yeah, I, it depends on the company and, and their initiatives, but it's been a variety of, you know, implementing applicant tracking systems, improving their ATSs, um, uh, auditing their employer, um, employer brand mm -hmm. um, from a hiring and recruiting standpoint so that we can have impact and improve um, and, and make their their hiring brand more known. Mm -hmm. It can be promotion of uh, you know several positions. It can be uh, being introduced to all of their offices throughout the U.S. that are having a hard time with hiring to understand that you know we're preferred recruiting partner and what that means for them. That's going to be advantageous not just through pricing but making hiring easy and more streamlined for them. Um, so yeah, you have to listen to make sure that your proposal is relevant mm. and you have to make sure that you bring in the team that's necessary to accomplish that because, you know, at the end of the day, that's how we're getting paid on those milestone achievements that are being proposed and put in place. Love it. And so would this normally entail, uh, like a monthly retainer or 
what's the sort of structure of this um, type of arrangement? Yeah, I mean, right, we're getting in the door usually with placements, and that's where those are going to be very traditional, Mark, right? Those are, that's where we're going to see the, the highest level of competition. And we're still, I mean, in really full transparency, right? We're coming up on two years. And so we still are getting in the door with placements and specialized placements. But I guess that's where, when I talk strategy with my team and my advisory board, it's identifying those companies that we have the opportunity to earn their business through those specialized placements so that as we're putting together these proposals or we're having these conversations as they go higher and higher on the chain of command, they're relevant and it's hitting on relevant pain points. And that's that's a really key part of this evolution of the business. We've been successful with a handful of those companies for making it up the chain of command and getting those proposals and those buy-offs because we've listened, we've been more than a recruiter, we understand the business, the evolution and where they're headed. And we've put together very, very appropriate proposals that are going to help them get to where they're going faster. That's a key part of the conversation. Um, So where I spend my extra time in strategy and discussion is identifying those opportunities so that we can continue to put those proposals in place. Um, So it's it's still an evolution. but it, it's, it's got to make sense for both parties um, at the end of the day. And that's where if you don't understand the pain point, uh, none of it makes sense and it doesn't go anywhere, right? Yeah, I agree 100%. And I, I, so I've got a follow-up question to that, which is um, you mentioned that you get your foot in the door with placements and specialized placements, and then you want to earn the right to... Um, pitch for more business basically and a more strategic partnership with this client. Um, And ideally you want to work with the founder or at the C-level so that you have a seat at the table when this conversation is being, you know, created about what the, what the plans are strategically for the business, what the vision is, and then how headcount needs to grow to support that. Um, But how do you make that jump from you know, okay, you've had, you've made a couple of successful hires for this company and now you're being invited to sit with the CEO and have that conversation. That's not an obvious, like, I think everyone recruiter would love to do that, but (laughs) often you do, what I see is people just get stuck at whatever level they entered the organization. And, you know, let's say that was in accounting and finance and they had a couple of really good hires there. And then, the manager of that department saying, okay, well, thank you very much for your help. Like, you know, you've done a great job. We're good now. We've, we've got our full head count. And then the recruiter's like, okay, well, let us know if you need any more help. <laughs> uh, Just calling to check in. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right? Just and calling, calling to check every in. three months to oh. see, hey, uh, any changes in your department, anything we can help you with? And then that like two or three placements doesn't really lead anywhere. But gotcha. the Emily Rushton way sounds like a whole different strategy. So talk to me about how you would approach that situation in order to all of a sudden Emily Rushton and Higher Integrated are strategically helping this company to scale. Yeah. Um, all right. So different ways that I've I've done that. Um, well, 
probably one of the most common ways is I've used kind of the spend, right? Put together a spend report and I'll ask for kind of, hey, let's do, let's do a quarterly review or let's do an annual review and let's talk about your spend and let's talk about how you feel about it, who's still there. And, and, you know, I kind of will put the tone together that it's a it's a strategic conversation. And in order to have the strategic conversation, I need to make sure X, Y, and Z persons invited, right? So that that has helped mm. give me an audience with the level of people um, that has set set higher integrated apart from others. Um, I don't, maybe I'm really biased to the Utah community, but C-level folks are, are pretty accessible, right? Like, networking events making sure that you're going out and you're you're being seen if you if you see the founder or the c-level person at the event mark i have no problem pulling them aside and being like hey i'm working with your company here's what i'm doing i'm aware that this is happening can we get together and discuss i have i have a proposal i want to talk about how i can help you um I've done that a handful of times and it's served me really well. Um, I've looked for strategic um, introductions. I mean, there's a reason, multiple reasons why I have an advisory board, but I have, I have had people that I need you to introduce me to this person. Like there is something I need to speak with them about, right? And sometimes that's because I've had the worst hiring experience with a company, right? Mm. I'm seeing something wrong. I'm seeing high level of turnovers. I don't look at that as a recruiting source. I look at that as I need a strategic introduction to someone here that's aware of what's happening so that we can talk about how we're going to fix it together. I love, um, that's, that's served me well. And Mark, it's the reason why I love being an owner, right? Like I'm a decision maker. Like I get to, I get to make decisions on the spot. Like this isn't a, let me talk to someone or let me bring in my team or let me get back to you. Um, we can, we can dial it in and figure it together so I can make sure that I'm valuing that time and boy, I better know my stuff, right? I better know about that company and where they're going. And I better have done my research before I go into those, into those meetings. So it's, it's been very, it's been a collective effort, but. Awesome. I like all those strategies and that, that makes sense. I like the quarterly uh, review is everybody listening should be doing this with your clients is at least an annual review, but ideally a quarterly review and make it strategic rather than just, have you got any hiring needs, right? That's not, people are going to get bored of that conversation, um, especially if they're not like scaling at that moment in time. So I think that's a fantastic um, insight. And I, I, I would probably add one more thing to mm. it because I'm trying to think of myself, right? I'm a recruiter, pretend I'm not a business owner. And, you know, again, I'm that girl that just shows up to a party, sometimes not invited and <laughs> hangs out until the very end type of person. So I know that about myself. And um, things that I have done, like when I've gotten opportunities to hire, and I'm always encouraging my staff, like go on the first day and show up, but you just don't show up with cookies and leave after five minutes. Like you asked the shadow of the day. I've sat through new hire trainings at companies for an entire week. Wow. Like, yeah. And I need, it's just, how are you going to talk about a company? How are you going to promote a company if you don't know a company? And so to me, those are incredible opportunities 
that you can invest in a company, show that you care, show that you're more than just a recruiter. Sometimes doing those side-by-sides, and I'll, I'll typically ask the hiring manager, who's your best Who's your best employee here in your department? And I'll sign an NDA, but can I go sit by that person and watch them work for the next couple of hours? Mark, they love it. They love it. That's a brilliant idea. Very rare. I have heard of this happening before, but is definitely not common. So you're shadowing their top performers. You mentioned um, sitting in on new employee like uh, training. Are there any other things that, well, actually, let's press pause on this because this sounds like it's, this is what higher integrator is all about, right? You are integrating yourself with those client companies. And I want to hear more about that. Just before we do, I had a follow-up question on this idea of elevating your self within your client organizations, because a lot of recruiters get trapped because they sometimes legitimately fear because it's it it happens or they're just concerned that either if they go above their current you know hiring manager contact or you know let's say they're working with HR or talent acquisition and they start having a conversation with the CEO over here that they're going to get told, hey, what the heck are you doing? You can't talk to that person. You have to talk only through to the organization through us. And so how do you um, bypass that concern and have conversations with the people that you want to without alienating your existing stakeholders? Oh, Mark, it's such a good question. Yeah, I remember those people and their names and <laughs> those conversations. Right. I've, I've gotten in trouble quite a few for going around or above. Um, to me, to me, that's, that's a very, um, it's a very transactional relationship, um, probably rooted in insecurity. Maybe even you yourself as a recruiter, not being positioned to impact change or to see things as far as the bigger picture and earn that trust and articulate. So yeah, if you're working with someone like that, first of all, you have to really have a solid relationship, right? And let them know that you're there to promote the good things that they're doing with their department and organization. And that's that's the lead out, right? Mm. You're there to seeing their praises and what they're doing good. And you also feel like there's an opportunity for you to impact change with that company by helping other departments. So the getting introduced maybe by that person once that trust is earned. If that person's still closed-minded to you expanding your relationship just beyond them. I just don't know if that's that that partnership works for us. I I think the higher up you go with a company as you're trying to work towards that C level suite, they tend to be pretty isolated, right? They 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 tend to they want that outsider's perspective. They're looking for some type of of market perspective or feedback as to what's happening in the industry. And so leading out those forums with here's what's going on in the industry or here's layoffs that's going to be impacting you that could help you or here's something you should be aware of. Bringing those outside perspectives, that outside strategy, that outside discussion 
is going to be critical to have that credibility and platform once you start kind of climbing up the chain of command. So if you can kind of hold on to here's someone that has the company's best interest, here's a level of market intelligence and how you can continue to expand to help the company and that hiring manager doesn't want you to have those conversations. I don't know if that hiring manager is going to be there that long to be candid with you. So I probably wouldn't put all my eggs in the basket with that person anyhow. So I guess worst case scenario, if I offend them or get fired from the account, it's a risk always worth taking for me. So I love that. Great answer, Emily. Thank you. So let's move then into the higher integrated um, service level, which sounds fantastic. So you already shared a few things that you do with your clients. Are there any others that in you know you routinely do to learn more about your client and uh almost as if you do work for the business well um at the end of the day recruiting is always about the candidate right i mean hiring managers you don't have the opportunities if you don't have the business coming in the door so i don't underestimate that and i, I know that's why we've discussed that in great detail up to this point but as far as what's going to be able to replicate amongst me and my staff and to me where I feel like the direction and, and who we are and where we're headed, um, it's a, when we interact with job seekers, it's a higher level of selection. To me, the skill set is the easy part, right? Mark, you've got these skills, you can do this. Like To me, that can be assessed quite easily. Um, it's, is there alignment between this candidate and this company? And if that person can show up day one, and this is what I talked to my, my staff about, right? Other than the seeking those opportunities to climb the chain of command, it's if the person you send out to that company wants to be there and it's their decision to be there and they understand their part and their role and how they're going to help the company grow, that is a really good day one hire and that you just can't take that away from a recruiter. And in order to do that well, you have to understand the company, you have to understand where they're headed and what's important to them and their vision. And thank goodness in 2022, companies make that really easy to do. There's a platform, there's podcasts, and there's social media, and there's press releases. And, you know, there's events where you can go listen to, to the speaker and understand that so that you can have hopefully facilitate a meaningful connection between the job seeker and why they want to be at that company day one. And you start putting placements out at companies like that, that's saying, like, my recruiter did a really good job because I wanted to be here and they helped me get this job. They, they made it where I put my best foot forward and there was a meaningful connection between why I chose to be at this company. That's what that's the conversations that we're trying to replicate. And that's the style of recruitment that we're trying to do. And so hopefully when that starts getting out at those companies and those conversations are being shared, um, it's a much more special experience day one and throughout that new hire training about that person and how they're able to contribute. Okay, that's cool. And I get that at a 
philosophical level that makes good mm -hmm. sense. But what does that mean on a practical basis in terms of the way your team are engaging with those candidates? Yeah, I mean, I learned this lesson really, um, I learned it this with Netflix. I know we've brought that up, but it was another milestone in my career of, of meaning. And what that means um, and how we apply that to application is when Netflix is creating a brand and you actually get your name on remote controls, you have to really protect that brand, right? And that means when you're a customer, every single person you talk to at Netflix is supposed to understand the brand and protect that and identify and communicate that in every way possible. So throughout the interview process, we would go through and we would do introductions, right? And this was in a group setting. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm good. How's your day? It's well. Thank you for asking, right? We would say after introduction saying, all right, that's what you're expected to say. Let's get rid of all that. And when I say, how's your day? I want you to be really authentic. I want you to actually share something real and candid and communicative with me. And the best person, the best people in the room would adapt and say, Mark, my name's Emily. My day's going really well. I woke up this morning. I turned on House of Cards. I could not believe she got hit by a bus. I'm still shocked by it. But here I am. I'm at work anyways, even though I'm still really shaken up from it. How's your day? Guess what, Mark, those were the very best hires ever at Netflix. And we're talking $17, $18 an hour customer service people. Like brand is important. Company like identification is important. Understanding how you can contribute to it and every single role that you hire for is important. And those are the conversations we have with our candidates. Like it has to be applicable. It has to be authentic and it has to come through. So just getting rid of all the theatrics, right? Hmm. Interesting. Wow. That's a mm -hmm. totally different. I, I, don't, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't it wasn't that. It wasn't um, that it, yeah. it wasn't understanding the brand and how you can you can um, you can make sure that you communicate it internally, externally. It's important. Interesting. Fantastic. Emily, I, there's so much more we could talk about. I feel like we've only scratched the surface um, briefly. Talk to me about your own hiring. When did you start hiring uh, for your own team? And um, what are your plans for 2023? Yeah, I mean, when I first started hiring, I had to bring people to the table that knew what they were doing like immediately because, you know, we just didn't have a ton of support, right? They had to hit the ground running. And so I brought really experienced people to the table. Like I said, some were full-time, some were part-time, some were just taking one or two placements after hours to help us kind of get through that. We're now evolving to where we're bringing really new talent into the fold. Mm -hmm. They have a desire to come into recruiting, but they, they, they're learning through observation side by side, and we're kind of building up those profiles. So that's where we're at right now. We're in the building up stage. People that are just graduating, they've always wanted to be a recruiter in HR, and we're giving them the opportunity to kind of come in. And since we pride ourselves on kind of being authentic, being real, we give them exposure to a lot of different things really early on in their career, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. But we're at that stage right now where we are identifying and, and building up the staff. Amazing. So your first 
person who came on board when? Um, probably three months into the business. So okay. March, 2021. Fantastic. And then how many sort of senior or experienced hires did you make before you felt that, okay, now we need to bring some fresh blood in here and train them from scratch? There's about seven or eight core people that come mm-hmm. from the industry that really are, are with me today that I rely a lot on for that core knowledge awesome. that we're culturally aligned. And how did you find them? Did you know them from your you know, previous jobs or? Yeah, I either worked with them before. Um, one of them I was introduced to from a client, actually. Great. Um, one of them is fully remote, but she's kind of my right-hand executive sorcerer, and she's fabulous. But yeah, people that I either knew of already or they came with a hell of a recommendation. Got it. Okay, awesome. And you mentioned you've got a mixture like full-time, part-time, you know, interns, uh, what's the what's the mix of the ways that you're working with your team members and, and and why? Yeah, I think it's just because when you are kind of putting together company-wide solutions and big project level hiring, big spin, things of that sort, um, sometimes I have to bring external partnerships to the table, which is why I have to be really relevant for quote unquote, my competitors, right? Um, we will partner up on opportunities so that I can have more expanse, uh, more expansion, immediate expansion and reach. Matter of fact, I think I told you in a couple of weeks, I'm hosting kind of a recruiting retreat with other business owners here within the region because I've worked with them and we've, we've, you know, helped each other be successful. So I have those relationships with other uh, recruiting business owners where we've done some strategic partnerships. Um, I will hire interns knowing that they're going to graduate and I want to bring them on full-time permanent, but it's kind of a little ramp up period for four or five months. That's been really helpful for us. Mm. Um, And, you know, right now we're seeing some recruiters getting laid off and uh, we're proactively interviewing and going to be making offers to people that have been doing recruiting in the industry that we feel is an opportunity for us to, to get into play. And then, um, you know, that profile that is still surprising to me, but it's worked really, really well. Recruiters that are gainfully employed with opportunities eight to five during the day, but they pick up one or two positions a month, early mornings, over lunch, after hours, weekends, where they'll, they'll work on those positions because they're a highly specialized recruiter and I match them up with a highly specialized position. I've got one recruiter that's putting in an in-ground pool for the placement she's done for me this year because she's a specialized engineering recruiter. She's not on the market. She's not available, but I tag her up with one or two positions a month and, you know, she's investing 15, 20 hours a week into that position. So the uh, client, client is very happy with the level of attention that they're getting with that. Wow. That's really creative and, and thinking outside the box here, Emily. Um, I have so many more things I want to ask you, but so, you know, you're going to need <laughs> Most to Most random interview ever, huh, Mark? <laughs> so please do come back again um, and we can pick up where we left off and hear, you know, the new 
developments that have been happening at uh, Higher Integrated. Is that okay? Absolutely. I'd love that. Fantastic. I'm really excited to see where this goes, but uh, thank you for being here. That was awesome. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.